You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Good morning. I'm, well, good evening. I'm glad you're here. The theme for the series of lessons this week is theological delights. Usually people don't much think of theology as being fun. I do. But the reason they think of theology as not being fun or being something that's dull and boring is because they usually think of getting involved in the weeds that men have made, that men have planted, and things that men have come up with. We're not doing that tonight. We're not doing that at all this week. We are dealing simply with the study of God as revealed to us in the scriptures. And so what we're going to look at tonight is the angel of Jehovah. Funny name, right? If you take a look at Hebrews chapter 1, the Hebrew writer begins saying, God having of old time spoken unto the fathers and the prophets in diverse portions and in diverse manners, hath at the end of these days spoken unto us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the effigence, newer versions say radiance, and that's a whole lot better term, uh, the radiance of his glory, the very image of his substance, upholding all things by the word of his power when he made purification of sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become by so much better than the angels as he hath inherited a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels, saith he, at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And when he again bringeth the firstborn into the world, he saith, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness, or uprightness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt continue. They shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a mantle shalt thou roll them up as a garment, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But of which of the angels hath he said at any time, Sit thou at my right hand, till I make thy enemies the footstool of thy feet? That's probably the longest section in the New Testament that's talking specifically about angels. And it makes some, he's contrasting the Son of God with the angels of God. Because, how many of you remember the TV show, Touched by an Angel? Roma Downey, back in the 90s, everybody believed in angels. There were angels this and angels that. Even made Michael Landon an angel. 
But none of them ever, none of those shows ever really talked about Jesus, did they? They talked about angels, but they didn't talk about Jesus. The whole point of the Hebrew writer beginning this way was to point out that Jesus was better than the angels. That Jesus was a higher being than the angels. After all, he says, uh, he has a better name than they do in verse 4. It says in verse 5, he is called the Son. They're not called the Son. They're called the sons of God in one sense, but not the Son like Jesus is. In verse 6, all the angels of God were told to worship him. In verse 7 and 8, it's the Son that has the scepter. The scepter is that symbol of power in, in a monarchy. You know, the Queen of England has the royal scepter of England with all the crown jewels of England. Well, Jesus has a scepter too. It's his power. It's the symbol of his power. And also the Son sits at the right hand of the God where no angel sits. But there's one angel that doesn't seem to fit in Hebrews chapter 1. We need to understand the difference between the definition of the word angel and the connotation of the word angel. Definition of the word angel simply means it's a messenger. Connotation is a lot of times when we're talking about angels, we're talking about created beings that carry out the will of God in various certain circumstances. But the definition of the word simply means messenger. Sometimes the apostles were called angels and not wrongly because they were just acting as a messenger. And in, in that sense of the word, and in that sense of the word only, they were angels. But this angel is different. Do the names Elijah and Enoch mean anything to you? They are the only two people in all of scripture, in all of history that didn't die. They are the exceptions that proved the rule. When David was on his deathbed and he called Solomon, his young son, over to him, he said, I am going the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. He, of course, knew about Enoch. Elijah was yet to come. But he knew that there had been one person that hadn't died. It was Enoch. Well, you need to understand, that was the exception that proved the rule. Everybody else dies. Even God's own son died. So when we talk about this angel here, we need to ask ourselves the question, who is this strange personage? Who is this one that we are talking about? This angel does not seem to fit. We're going to look in actually Hebrews chapter 1. I have already talked about so I'm going to flip through those because we have already talked about them. Right hand. This one angel does not seem to fit. So this angel of Jehovah that we're talking about now, he appears many times in the Old Testament. His name is mentioned 52 times. If you get your computer program and if you don't have a, the Bible on computer, you can get one. Uh, 
they're not expensive. But and mine I get for free, and you can pull it up, type in Angel of Jehovah, and, and use the American Standard of 1901, uh, if you can get one, if you can find one. Uh, they're so popular they've gone out of print, unfortunately. But it, type in the Angel of Jehovah, or the Angel of the Lord, with all capitals in Lord. If you look in your King James, your New American Standard Bible, it doesn't have the angel of Jehovah. It has the angel of the Lord with Lord in all caps. That's to signify that it's the name of God. And this angel of Jehovah is mentioned 52 times in the Old Testament. 52 times. Has to be someone important if it's mentioned if this angel is mentioned 52 times. He appeared to Hagar in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 7. This is where he's first first mentioned. And my voice is crackling because I'm going into puberty, I guess. In Genesis chapter 16, Hagar has run away from Sarai, her mistress, Sarah. And we're told in verse 7, the angel of Jehovah found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's handmaid, whence camest thou and whither goest thou? And she said, I am fleeing from the face of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of Jehovah said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of Jehovah said unto her, I will greatly multiply thy seed, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of Jehovah said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, shall bear a son, thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because Jehovah hath heard of thy affliction. And he shall be a wild ass among men, his hand shall be against every man, and his every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his brethren. And she called the name of Jehovah that spake unto her, Thou art a God that sees. Jehovah El Roy. For she said, Have I even here been looked, looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well that was, was called Beer Lahai Roy, behold, it's between Kadesh and Bread. The angel of Jehovah, this is the first time it's talked about in the Old Testament. And notice what he does. He tells her what to do, and then he makes a prophecy about what's going to happen later on. We also see in Genesis chapter 22 and verse uh, 11 that this angel appears to Abraham. It came to pass that God did prove Abraham and he said unto him, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And this is where God says, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go into a place that I will show thee and offer him there for a burnt offering unto me. And Abraham rose up the next morning and took two young men with him. And he and Isaac went off to the place that God showed him. And then beginning in verse 9, they came to the place where God had told him of. And Abraham, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar of the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of Jehovah, or the angel of the Lord, called unto him out of the heaven 
and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, lay not thy hand upon thy son, neither to do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Who's he talking to? The angel of Jehovah. But who is he offering the son to? You, the angel says, you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Sounds interesting now. In, Gen in Exodus chapter 3, if you're familiar with your Exodus story, you know this is where Moses meets God. And he meets God at the burning bush. We're told here, Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to see the mountain of God unto Horeb. And the angel of Jehovah appeared unto him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Who was it that appeared to Abraham? It was the angel of Jehovah, the angel of the Lord. And now it says here, uh, and he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when Jehovah saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nine hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Who did Moses see in the burning bush? It was God that was speaking to him from the bush. But in the same passage, it says the angel of Jehovah appeared unto him in the bush. This, this, does, this is not the same kind of angel we're talking about in Hebrews chapter 1. We're talking about a whole different reality of being. We're told here in Numbers chapter 22 and verse 22 that the angel of Jehovah appeared to Balaam. In Balaam chapter 22, beginning in verse 21, Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was killed, kindled because he went and the angel of Jehovah placed himself in the way for an adversary against him. Now the donkey recognized the angel of Jehovah. It's interesting that Balaam goes on to have a full conversation with this donkey. The donkey was smarter than he was. But he recognized who the angel of Jehovah was. And in Judges chapter 2, Joshua has led the children of Israel to conquer the land. All but just a little bit. And in Judges chapter 2 and beginning in verse 1, it says, The angel of Jehovah came up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Who is speaking? Well, it's the angel of Jehovah. But what does he say? He says, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I made a covenant with your fathers. 
I led you into this land. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not hearkened to my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. But they shall be as thorns in your sides. And their God shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of Jehovah spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto Jehovah. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, the angel of Jehovah appears to Gideon. And we're told here in chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, And the angel of Jehovah came and sat under the oak which is at Ophrah, and that pertained to Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of Jehovah appeared unto him and said unto him, Jehovah is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He was talking to him in such a way that he was trying to inspire him to be the man that would deliver Israel that the angel knew he could be. And all through there, Gideon is talking with the angel of Jehovah. And in Judges chapter 13 and verse 3, Manoah and his wife see the angel of Jehovah. And it's the angel of Jehovah that tells them how to raise Samson. Yep. Get along there. I'm, I'm not used to... I'm, I've got an outline in front of me and I'm going by it. I'm forgetting to click. Sorry. So Balaam, so the Judges to Gideon, and now he's with Manoah and his wife. And we're told here, there was a certain man of Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of Jehovah appeared unto the woman and said to her, Behold, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And all through there they talk with the angel of Jehovah. Notice in every one of these places, this angel talks like he's God. Every place. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 1, we read, The angel of Jehovah came up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I made you to go up. I thought it was God that did all those plagues down in Egypt. But this angel says, I did that. I'm the one that made you to go up out of the land of Egypt. I'm the one that delivered you from slavery. And I'm the one that swore to your fathers and said, I will not break my covenant with you. This angel is talking as though he was God. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12, it says, And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from... He doesn't say God. He says me. It was God that told Abram, I want you to offer into me, into, a, into this place that I will tell thee of. That's what Abram did. And here's the angel saying, you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. He talks like he's God. Nowhere is there any contradiction of this in the scriptures. Nowhere does anybody say, you know, that angel, is, you, you, need, you don't need to pay attention to him because he thinks he's God. 
In Numbers chapter 22 and verse 35, the angel of Jehovah said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee shalt thou speak. So Balaam with the, went with the princes of Balak. In Genesis chapter 16 and verse 10, it says, The angel of Jehovah said unto her, I will greatly multiply thy seed, and that shall not be numbered for multitude. This angel says things that no mere man can say. Of course, an angel can say things that men, men can't say. But this angel talks like he's God. It doesn't fit into what we read about in Hebrews chapter 1. This is an angel of an entirely different category, an, higher, an entirely different uh, level. This angel also acts with God's authority. In all of Genesis chapter 18 and verse 13, it says, I will certainly return unto thee when the season cometh round, and lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. See also verse 32. He said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet this once. Peradventure there be ten righteous men there. Will you destroy the ten with the rest of the city? And he said, I will not destroy it for the ten. Who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? It was God. But this is the angel speaking. This angel acts with God's authority. We also notice that this angel accepts worship. Remember when Peter bowed down to, to an angel in the book of Revelation? And the angel said, see thou do it not? Worship God. No, no mere angel could do that. No mere angel could accept worship. But here, this angel does just exactly that. In, in the Judges chapter 13 and verse 16, the angel of Jehovah said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread, and if thou wilt make ready burnt offering, thou must offer it unto Jehovah. For Manoah knew not that he was the angel of Jehovah. He's offered. He offers it to, to God, but the angel accepts it. And the angel is called God by those who meet him. Hagar in Genesis 13 and verse 16 says, She called the name of Jehovah that spoke unto her. It was the angel of Jehovah that spoke to her. But it was Jehovah that spoke to her. She gave us a name for God. Thou art a God that saves. We serve a mighty God. This God sees. Remember in Jeremiah, we mentioned it last night, Jeremiah 23, 23. Am I a God of near at hand and not a God of far off? Can any man hide himself in the private place that I cannot see? Do I not fill heaven and earth? This God that Hagar dealt with was a God that sees. And Moses says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, These things, uh, he said, Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And yet in the very first Instance, we're told the angel of Jehovah appeared unto Moses in the burning bush. 
And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look on God. Manoah in Judges 13.21 was afraid. He says, we shall surely die because we have seen the face of God. His wife says, sweetheart, paraphrasing, sweetheart, if God was minded to kill us, he wouldn't have appeared to us. He told us we were going to have a baby. God doesn't lie. Oh, yeah, right. So, but they recognized that they had seen God. Now, got a question. So who is it? Who is this angel of Jehovah? Well, let's turn to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus himself points out something that's important. He says here in John chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. No man hath seen God at any time. But didn't Jesus claim to be God? Before Abraham was born, I am. Yeah, he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Son of God. Not a Son of God. He claimed to be the Son of God. The only begotten Son of God. My wife will tell you, if she were here, that if you want to know what my dad looked like, just look at me. I'm a picture of my father. She says, sometimes that gets to be a little bit scary. Because she, she had the pleasure of knowing my father for 12 years before he passed. But if you want to see me, you, see, you, you want to see my father, you, you just take a look at me. Because I'm everything that he was. I'm just like he was in so many ways. Jesus is the picture of the father. Philip said, show us the father and it sufficeth us. Jesus said, if I've been so long with you, Philip, and you do not yet understand, he that's seen me has seen the Father. He's God. Okay. What's that got to do with this? Well, people saw Jesus, and Jesus was God. Take a look at Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, we have all three members of the Godhead present. Matthew chapter 3, we read that then cometh Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John would have hindered him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou unto me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway from the water. Lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. So we have Jesus the Son in the water. He's visible. 
we have the Holy Spirit descending as a dove and alighting upon his shoulder. He's visible. And we have the sound of God speaking from heaven. The Father, he's not visible. So when we read in John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time. He's referring specifically to the Father. Not referring to the Son. He's not referring to the Holy Spirit. He's referring to the Father. Because Jesus was seen. He had a body. The Holy Spirit was seen. He, he took on a body. Now, so what? Who is it? Well, take a look at John chapter 12 and verse 41. These things said Isaiah because he saw his glory. And he spoke of him. The he and the him have to refer back to somebody. It's referring back to Isaiah's vision in Isaiah chapter 6 where he saw God high and lifted up in the temple. Who was it that Isaiah saw? John tells us it was Jesus. See, Jesus existed before he was conceived in the womb of Mary. He's the, this was the pre-existent, the pre-incarnate Christ that John saw. It's the only explanation that makes sense is that Jesus is the angel of Jehovah. That would explain why he could talk as though he was God. Because he was. That explains why he says he has the authority to do things that the Bible says God did. Because he was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that hath been made. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. That's Jesus. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The only explanation for who the angel of Jehovah is, is that it is the pre-incarnate Christ. Can't be the Father. Can't be the Holy Spirit. The New Testament document of the Trinity, or doctrine of the Trinity, allows us to make real sense of these passages. It allows us to understand who the angel of Jehovah really is. Now I've got a question. So what of it? Is this just an oddity? Is this just something that, yeah, we know it, it really doesn't matter. Well, no, actually. Jesus has always been intimately concerned with the earthly affairs of God's people. When Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, who was it that they met and said, Adam, where art thou? Well, it was Jesus. He was their creator. When Abram was told, go offer thy son, who was it that gave him that command? It was Jesus, his creator, the Almighty. This makes sense, especially in light of the New Testament doctrine of the Trinity. But it also shows us that he's always been concerned. He's always concerned about what, what happens to you. 
Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I'm not going to pray to God about this. He's got much more important things to worry about than my little problems. You ever hear anybody say that? Hear it all the time, don't you? I got a question. What is there on this planet that isn't small to God? The problem in the Ukraine? That's big as far as we're concerned. How big is it to God? He can deal with it. What God considers big is your sin. What God considers big is you not being in fellowship with Him. God considers that important. And He has always been intimately concerned that you have that taken care of. As Hagar said, He sees. He understands. He knows. And He cares. And He also, according to Isaiah 37 and verse 36, He will also judge. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This angel of Jehovah that has been appearing and being involved with man from the beginning of time. We're going to be there. And he's going to judge us. And once that judgment is over, there's no appeal. There's no review process. That's it. Are you ready for that day? Today is a good day to get ready. If you are not ready, don't you think it's time that you get, get ready? If you need to become a Christian by faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, now is the time. If you are a Christian and you're not ready, now's the time to repent. Now's the time to ask the Lord's forgiveness. If you need to come, let us know while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.